Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpete. And good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is Tuesday night. It's 9.30. It's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sampete. I am one of your hosts, Steve Sampietro, joined by Brian Calvi for episode 11-29. And uh, for some reason, the studio uh, went a little crazy there, Cal, so we're without our theme music to start the show tonight. That's the dramatic cold open. That was that was, <laughs> was very cold open. Yeah. That was... that's. <laughs> That is that is decidedly not our theme music. That is the theme music from another show from long ago. But that was a dramatic cold open. That was like tonight on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. <laughs> What's going on, Cal? Yeah, not too much. Welcome to the you program. Know, Rock and rolling and whatnot. <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you, Johnny T. <laughs> this uh, this program is called Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. I'm Sam Pete. You're Cal. Is that how that works? That is correct, sir. I love it. We have got a a ton to talk about tonight. There's a lot going on in the world of sports, New York sports, regular sports, unleaded sports, uh, full-calorie sports. Uh, There's a a ton going on. Before we get to all that, Brian, Yes. I just wanted to ask the question, are you set to go to the Jet game on October 23rd? Yeah, I am. Is that going to happen? Of course it's going to happen. So you, we, uh, for the folks who don't know, before we get into everything we have to talk about, we have a ton to talk about, I know. But before we get into all that jazz, for those of you folks who don't know, we are going to one Jet game this year. I used to have season tickets. I had them for 19 years. They're all gone now. Those fellas are all gone now. They're like eight men out. (laughs) We're going to talk about sports movies later, by the way. That make us cry. <laughs> but anyway, so we t- we decided to go to one game this year. Right. Just one game. And uh, I know it's a pricey ticket. <laughs> hey, that's that's uh, that's the reality of it these days. That's that's one of the reasons probably why you don't have season that's, tickets anymore. That's a great point. Well, that's how I pitched it to to my wife. I said, look, we're going from a thousand fifty dollars for my one seat. Right to one hundred and seventy-five dollars for one game. You know, so we're, we're saving a lot of money there and a lot of Sundays. A lot of Sundays, Cal, uh, seven to be to be precise. Correct. There's a lot of apple picking to do, Cal. Apple picking's done. You did it already. No, no, the season is over. That's it. There's a season for apple picking. Yes, there is. And what's every year... Apple picking, by the way. Well, can, can we, what? What's going on with the apple picking? Why what's is going on? It's on Facebook like it's a thing. It is a thing. Why, why has it become a thing? It's always been a thing, though. Oh, come on. Of course it has. Why are people making me feel like I'm a bad parent because I didn't take my child apple picking? Because you are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. They should call it guilt book. Listen... <laughs> Uh, regret book. No, it's um, it it is a thing. When you have kids, apple picking, pumpkin picking, it all becomes a thing. 
Look, I accept pumpkin picking, okay? That's definitely a thing. That's for Halloween. It's specific. We all did it. Everybody went to the pumpkin patch. There's Charlie Brown. There's a peanut special for it. There is no peanut special for apple picking. <laughs> you missed that one, didn't you? I went apple picking when I was a kid once, like with my dad. It wasn't like some big day. I, it's not some seminal moment in my life. I just, I, I wanted, I missed a meeting when apple picking. You know, and let's not make it sound like it's uh, 1875 and we have to go down to the orchard. Here we to, go to, to make sure we get our apples. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a King Cullen around the corner. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take I'm gonna take West to the produce aisle, and we're gonna get a bag of apples. Nice. Let me let me tell you, we we did not so we did not go apple picking this year, and now the season has come and gone. Believe it or not, it has. What's the season? What is it like? Two weeks? The, yeah. Well, the season is pretty much the month of September. Believe it or not. Um, gentlemen. And, and in, gentlemen. May I, gentlemen? Yeah. Yes, oh. yes. The, the the Bishop Pop Culture PJ, our our producer, wants to check in. Yes, Peach. From I just want to room. interject. <laughs> Hello, pardon me. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, go on. And I and I hate talking to people who are on speaker. I can't believe I just <laughs> did that to you. That was just terribly. I live down the street from an orchard, an apple orchard, and they they are still apple picking. And this is the way you do it, Steve. Yeah. You wait for your wife to bug you a lot. When are, when are we going to go apple picking? We should take the baby apple pick. And then you say, okay, well, you tell me when. And then she'll pick the single hottest day of the fall. That's right. Not That's realizing right. that apple orchards provide no shade because apple trees are eight feet high. <laughs> so then you are alone in a field where you get lost immediately. Because everything looks the same. Everything looks the same. Picture it. It's it's a landscape of apple trees. Right. So you're in Pan's you, Labyrinth immediately. You yeah. You have a wheelbarrow. You are surrounded by bees. You're picking little gnarly apples, and and it's just it's great. And your now, wife wait. will do nothing because she has the camera. So you have to do. You're going to be the one weaving in and out of the tree with the bees and the baby. Don't drop the baby. Right. Well, PJ, what I was going to ask you is at what point, what's the over-under on the amount of minutes that the kids need to get in the wagon because they don't want to walk anymore? Six. Right? I go under. Yeah. Probably wow. under. If you give them an apple very quickly, they'll stop complaining about wanting to get into the wheelbarrow. Yeah, you, you buy yourself a couple of minutes with that. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're pulling 100 pounds worth of kid and apple around. Yes. On an, on they, an uneven, uneven land that's yes. just bouncing and all over the place. The kids are hotter than you because mom will have made them wear a jacket because it's the fall. <laughs> that's right. So the kids in the jacket, wow. it's 80 degrees out. You're under the blistering sun. There's no shade. You're surrounded by bees. Your kids are being dragged in a bumpy wagon. You can't find any apples that you like because there are all these varieties you've never heard of, like Jonah Green. <laughs> oh, I want a Jonah Green. And uh, it's great. And then you go, sounds, pump, pumpkin picking is the best. You get out of the car, you point to the one pumpkin, you put it in the car, you leave. It's amazing. I couldn't agree more. That's right. Wow. Well, I think, uh, I think we took care of this. I'm so out. All you, all you, <laughs> we'll talk to PJ later. Wait, you know what, Cal? 
it's magnificent when you have a producer that can do that. That can just jump in. Go all Eddie Izzard on us. Kill it. And then just get out. He Listen, the man knows of what he speaks. Yeah, well, I, I was talking to McWalters today about the apple picking. and we were, did, he, we were, did he go? Did he take the kids? He did not go this year. Oh. Not yet. Well, because the baby's so new. The, well, the, the, little, the little one's like a month old or two months well, old. Well, that's, that's true. So, But uh, we were just wondering, is this something we have to put on the agenda for next year? I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. It ain't happening on an NFL Sunday in the McWalters household. Well, <laughs> say that much. That's what you think. No, 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 no. I know. I know his wife. Trust me. No, she's uh, she's that ain't happening on a Giants football Sunday. I can guarantee you that. Well, good for him. Yeah. Just, typically, I can get away with the apple picking on a Saturday, but the pumpkin picking is always, almost exclusively, on a Sunday at twelve o'clock. That's of course magnificent. Twelve. It has to be twelve o'clock. Can't go any earlier. Yes. Right now. Which brings me back to my original question, which is I was oh, asking right. you, were you going to make it on the 23rd, or are you yeah. pumpkin picking that day? No, no, the pumpkin picking will be coming earlier than that because you have to have time to carve the pumpkin right. for Halloween. Right. Because that's a whole other uh, – This is uh, this is who we are now. It is who we are, and and – you know, we 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 joke and we mock it, and you know, all of this self-loathing aside, we love it, and yeah. it really is it is what we are. Um, but it really is a disaster when you <laughs> when you stop and think about it. <laughs> this is pick- uh, what we've become. The pumpkin picking is 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 worse because there's a hayride that goes along with it. Yes, the hayride that can be good times. No, not not fun at all. You got to hop on the hayride to get to the pumpkin. And then now you're carrying. Now you don't have a wagon to carry the pumpkins. Right. And of course, you know everybody's got to get their own pumpkin, but you have to get a giant pumpkin for the family. Yes. So that's the sixty-pound pumpkin that Dad has to carry, and uh, and herniate himself. Yes. Yeah. So this is the winter of our discontent, or the autumn, as it were. The right. Uh, but you know what's great? Tell me. Tuesday nights, 9.30. You know what we do? We talk sports. <laughs> we get to be men. Like men. Like, like I'm eat, actually... Eat. All right. I'm actually grilling. I have a, a, a <laughs> suckling pig <laughs> spinning in my uh, my guest bedroom right now. I don't know if you can see. There's just cigar smoke swirling around my head. <laughs> right. I have an open pit suckling pig going. <laughs> and uh, I am not wearing pants. I'll be honest with you. Not I'm, drinking, like, I'm drinking Jack Daniels right out of the bottle. Yep. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Just shooting it. Uh, Cal, you would think <laughs> you would think something's going on in the world of sports. Let's talk about baseball. Let's get right into it with the Yankees, my man. Facing okay. elimination tonight, sending AJ Burnett to the mound. This is disaster, Cal. It's got disaster written all over it. They're trailing in the series two games to one to the Detroit Tigers. In Detroit, A.J. Burnett has been an unmitigated, as opposed to a mitigated disaster, which we're going to talk to our buddy Nello a little later on. And Dan and I have been wondering, what is the difference? Like, nobody ever says, boy, that was a mitigated disaster. Good thing. We got in there a little early. We mitigated that disaster. That's correct. That's correct. This is unmitigated. Right. A.J. Burnett, season on the line. 
Okay, we already have one team that has advanced to the ALCS. The Texas Rangers go back for the second year in a row. Yeah, and I'm and I'm I'm kind of surprised at the way they took care of Tampa in that series after the first game. Yep, all close games, Cal. All close games. But um, Adrian Beltre today went off. Three home runs for Adrian Beltre. Three home runs. He had he hadn't had a hit in the series before today too. So right. Adrian, we're gonna need you to just pee in this cup. <laughs> It'll just take a second. Be really quick. Yes, that's Jose Bautista right behind you. Yes. Fine. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, all kidding aside, Adrian Beltre with a great uh, postseason performance. Three home runs today. I think he's one of few to ever hit three home runs in a game in the postseason, Cal. Yeah. Oh, I read the list earlier. I forgot who else it was. Can't be a ton of guys there. Well, obviously, Reggie Jackson is the most famous, but other than that. Well, Reggie's was on three straight pitches. Yes, it was. Mr. October. Reginald so, Jackson. Reginald uh, so, Jackson. So, yeah, so Jackson. Texas advances, which is which is congratulations to Texas. Second straight ALCS. My my in law is very happy again. My brother in law, after suffering through a Dallas Cowboy meltdown on, yeah. on Sunday. Wow. Texted me immediately after the game and said, That's it. I got Sundays I got Sundays free. Enjoy He's your done. season. Already? I'm, I'm going to play golf. I can't take this. They're two and two. I know, but they should, really they could be four and zero. Is it time for for them to panic though at two and two? Well, let's we'll talk about the Jets a little later. If you want to talk about panicking at two and two, you see what I was doing? Yeah, yeah, nice. Tease it. it, tickle it, tickle it. You didn't you didn't even see that coming. I did not see that coming. You tickled it, nice. I did. A little bit, a little bit. So uh, back to the Chankies. Uh, huge game tonight, Cal. Obviously, down two games to one. AJ Burnett's on the mound. Let's, uh, you know, I don't know if you know, you know, what's going on in I the do. game. But I do. you know what we need to do. We're going to do it. Let's go to the RTU Sports Room with your host, Brian Calvi. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. I'm in the sports desk. Uh, I'm not in the sports desk. I'm at the sports desk in the sports room in the control center of RTU Central. You got it all there. Go ahead. And what I'm about to tell you is that uh, Victor Martinez has just hit a solo home run, literally in real time. I'm not doing play-by-play, but he has just hit a home run to cut the Yankees' lead to 2-1 in the fourth. It was a leadoff home run in the fourth. So the Yankees are now up 2-1 in the bottom of the fourth inning in this game four of the ALDS. From the control center at the sports desk in the sports room, I'm Brian Cowley. Thanks, Brian. Coming up next, your taxes. Do you even have to do them? (laughs) Frankie will have all the information for you in Frankie's Fudge Watch. Fudge Watch? I don't know. <laughs> I got involved there. Anyway, uh, good good job. Good job. And can, yeah. and can your cat really drive you to the store? We'll tell you how. Oh, that's some cat, Brian. <laughs> um, and by the way, just FYI, Major League Baseball, I don't know if you heard that, but that was not in real time. No. <laughs> that was, we don't have the express written consent. It had happened. We don't even have the express spoken consent. We don't have any consent whatsoever. 
we you know what though they said some nice things yeah. we may not have consent but those major league baseball people said some very nice things i think they were just being polite yes so uh two to one yankees and aj burnett has come out and not crapped the bed entirely so as a yankee fan right now you're you're playing with house money i mean if he gets you to the fifth inning and it's even if you're down three to two, you're playing with house money. I mean, this was Cal was apocalyptic today. <laughs> the last, you know, after CC Sabathia lost last night uh, to Justin Verlander, it was apocalyptic today for the Yankees. Yeah, oh, I had I had people I spoke to at work that weren't even going to watch the game. Now come but, on, like diehard Yankee fans that are so disgusted with AJ Burnett, they say, I'm, you know what? I can't even watch it. They have no shot. And I told every one of them, and I told you, and I told Dr. E. Ray, I said, I will not be surprised if he pitches well. You did. You were on record as saying you could see him definitely having a solid outing, maybe getting you five or six innings of solid baseball, and that's all they really need out of him. That's all mm-hmm. they need. Okay, and A.J. Burnett has done it in the past, and Dr. E. Ray Sapp brought up a good point, too. He said, hey, look, the guy just needs to go back and watch tape of himself in the postseason in 09. He was integral to that world championship. He obviously has great stuff. He always has. And maybe you can just get him to channel it for – I mean, he's just been so bad for so long. He has. And, and what, I want, what, I wanted to, what I wanted to ask you, though, is the way Girardi has handled this whole thing. Joe Girardi has um, – he's made comments about Burnett. And, and, and listen, everybody knows that Burnett has been a disaster this year. But now you are entrusting this man with your season – the season is on the line. If he doesn't win or if he doesn't perform well, you're going to lose and the season is over. You're the manager of this ball club. It's your job to keep this team motivated and to keep your players thinking positive. And what we've seen out of Girardi, what we've heard out of Girardi are, are, are kind of snide comments about, you know, well, you have to, how do you feel about starting A.J. Burnett? And he says, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to go to Mo. What am I going to do, go to Mo? So he makes a snide comment about Burnett yesterday before the game even starts. Today, in tonight's game, Burnett walks three batters in the first inning, and he's got bullpen action. I mean, what, what kind of message are you sending your pitcher if you're going to get somebody up in the bullpen in the first inning? But, I mean, Cal, do you think that that was some sort of message that A.J. Burnett didn't know was coming? I mean, no, you, can't, you can't walk the bases loaded in the first inning if you're A.J. Burnett and not expect to look over your shoulder and see somebody warming up in the bullpen. I, I, I agree, but I just think as the manager of the team, he can't be so blasé with, with this disregard for Burnett. That's, he's got, that's he's got to fake it, fake it, at least. Pretend right. like you've got confidence in the guy. Like Brian Cashman's been doing. I think Brian Cashman actually has confidence in him. No, well, if he doesn't, I mean, he's done a wonderful job of faking it. Well, listen, I think, I think those two are birds of a feather, if you ask me. Cashman and Burnett. Yeah. Strange. Strange. <laughs> right? They may be Bob and Doug McKenzie. <laughs> um, but, Cal, you, you brought up two interesting points. Let me just go back. Yes. One, uh, Joe Girardi said, what am I going to do? Go to Moe's. And uh, that's a terrible uh, cliche here in the Northeast. Uh, number two, because did he sing it? Did he say, gotta go to Moe's? He did. <clears throat> Which is a ba- so that's really blasé, Cal. Then you're being really flippant when he was singing it. That's correct. Yeah. No, but seriously, you, you talked about the major league manager, Cal, is part 
you know, these guys get killed in the playoffs when they make this move, they make that move. They get second-guessed a lot in the playoffs. I think that's the only time you really can genuinely second-guess a baseball manager because there's 162 games. It's a lot more difficult to do than it is in, say, football where there's one game a week and you can spend a week uh, analyzing that. Plus, an NFL coach uh, has way more control over a game than uh, a Major League Baseball manager does. Um, I think you only notice them when they're bad. Um, and, and it's just so easy to second-guess everything. Like last night, you know, when he doesn't – Girardi doesn't pinch hit for Gardner against uh, uh, Verlander in the seventh, right? Two out, first and second, down by two runs. He leaves Gardner in there. I'm reading tweets up and down about putting Chavez in, uh, Eric Chavez, to pinch hit there. Can't believe Girardi's not doing it. Can't believe it. And it's a two-run double to the gap, and they tie the game. You know, you can second guess every move in a baseball game uh, that the manager makes. But the bigger role, Cal, is it not to play Dr. Phil? I mean, these days, is it not to be the the, the sort of uh, guy that builds up your team, knows when to tear your team down, knows how to speak about your team in the media, knows how to handle all the egos and personality? I mean, ballplayers are weird, Cal. They're different now than they were. They're And, and they're also, especially pitchers are a strange bunch. Mm-hmm. They can be very, very odd people. Okay? And you have to be able to manage not just a ball game. And one would argue that Girardi is not a very good game manager. Okay? It's, yeah, that's debatable. You can make the argument. But mm-hmm. but you also have to be, you know, part game manager, part personality manager. And I, th- I, I think I agree with you. I think he's done sort of a bad job here. Managing uh, AJ Burnett's, you know, personality or quirks or the season he's having or the player he has. I mean, the Mets tried and tried and tried with Oliver Perez, right? That's always the comparison, right? Uh, you can only do so much. You know, Rick Peterson was on with uh, uh, Bro and Evan uh, the other day, oh. and uh, which was fantastic oh. radio because just, oh. oh, oh, Stella, 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 bro. Stella. Uh, because Beningo is just so bad, and Peterson just so owned him, and it was delightful. Is that, is that who they are? They had a Peterson? Is that who they had on? Peterson? Is that Peterson? Is that who it was? That, is that talk, who about, was? talk about that. Talk about that, Cal. You <laughs> <laughs> pitching coach for the Mets in 07. How about that? How about that, Rick? We're, <laughs> we're of course, making fun of bro. Bro Beningo. A little bit. Is because his act has gotten really old here in New York. But um, they had Rick Peterson on, and Rick Peterson talked about Oliver Perez and what you had to try to do. And Oliver Perez wasn't willing to work. A.J. Burnett, we don't know. We don't know what kind of work ethic he has. We don't know what kind of guy he is in the clubhouse. We know two years ago he kept things willy-nilly, nice and loose with the pies to the face, and he brought a little personality to the club, and he pitched really well in the postseason, and great. You know, But he's, he's always had the stuff, Cal. If you can pump him up and get him pumped up for one start. Now, that being said, ooh, sorry. Ooh, my bad. <sighs> Drop it in the jar on your way out. Yep. Yep. What are we at, a quarter now? Now, 50 cents. 50 cents. For raise my rent. Yep. 50 cents. Cleveland, By the way, Cleveland Little say, drop it Drop it in the, the kangaroo bucket on the way out. Um. You have to have somebody up in the first inning, Cal. If he walks, the base is loaded. No, I... I an elimination game. What are you going to do? Wait till it's 5 nothing and then get somebody up? 
I uh, sorry, I have no uh, that I have no problem with. It's an elimination game. It's all hands on deck. The guy's been terrible during the regular season, and he walks the bases most of the first. Yeah, time. but you know what? It's all hands on deck, and he gets Corey Wade up in the bullpen. I mean, how much better is Corey Wade going to be than AJ Burnett? I don't know, but I, if it, I, I'm going to get him, I'm going to have him up just in case it's for nothing, so I can say that I had him up. Well, well, and you know what? That brings up an excellent point, Steve. How many of these moves are made by the managers as self-preservation? Yeah, there's a lot of CYA that goes on, I feel like. I feel like the only guys who don't do that are like the Tony LaRusses or the, you know. I, right. I think I think Girardi manages that way a lot. I really do. And it's, I, it, it's quite an assertion I'm making, but I really do, Cal. Well, I think it's a byproduct of managing in New York, you know. Yep. The, the, the media is ready to just eat up everything that he does. But what's what, he, good, good or bad? He was like this with Miami. Uh, Miami. He was like this with Florida. Well, they will be Miami next year. Or next year they'll be Miami. But he was like this with the Marlins too, Cal. He was worried yeah. about how every move he made was perceived to the point where he got in a fight with the owner because the owner didn't like a movie made. And that's what got him fired. I, I think I think Joe Girardi manages a lot to CYA. Well, that's his personality. That's why I was genuinely surprised that he did not pinch hit Chavez last night. You know, but look, the Yankees, uh, Jeter, I mean, uh, A-Rod and Teixeira coming into this game. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows the numbers. We're one for 20 in the series. Okay, one for 20. You can have all the pitching you want. In, you can have A.J. Burnett go eight innings. If you don't hit and don't score, you're not going to win. Period. You can't have Robinson Cano be the only guy who can hit the ball in the lineup. You know, did you know Mark Teixeira is batting under 200? In his career in the postseason? Yep. yep. In his career. I think he was at 208 coming into this series. Oh, he was. Okay, so he was hovering around 200. Still. A, no, well, no. After this series, he's below. Yeah. It's a business. Now, at what point does he, is he held to, to task for that? I mean, he's great. He's a great ball player, and you take him on your team any day of the week, but when, when, when does he get the mark on him? See, I think he is taken to task for that, but he'll never be taken to task in the way that A-Rod is because more is expected of A-Rod in the postseason, even with his great performance in 2009. Alex Rodriguez is still held to a higher uh, accountability level than Mark Teixeira is. I, I, you know, Cal, That's not I fair. Don't, I don't know why Mark Teixeira gets a pass. I mean, I, 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 I think he got way less of a pass today in the uh, – the Valley of the Stupid, as Bob Raceman calls it, uh, Sports Talk Radio, which is a great name for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people uh, – one guy came on today and said, I'm going to kill Teixeira. It's time to kill him. I'm going to let him be known and rip his heart out. I was like, whoa, doctor. Wow. Take it easy, guy. Going to kill him. Going to kill him and rip his heart out. <laughs> All right. Unless Teixeira has not had his heart ripped out yet, I'm here to do it. Right here on Sports Radio 66 WFAN. That's a little much. A little bit. A little over the top. If you ask me. But look, how long does he cruise on that count? I don't know. You know, it wouldn't be bad for Derek Jeter to maybe make contact with a runner in scoring position, too. I'm just saying. Uh, he's done that tonight. He's the reason they're up 2-1. So. He uh two a uh, two-run double, right? He hit a two-run double. It's still 2-1, Cal? It's still 2-1? We're checking in on this game live. Yeah, it's still 2-1 in the top of the fifth. The Yankees have a runner on to lead off the fifth against Porcello. Porcello pitching decently. Yeah, Burnett is through four. 2-1. You decide for that. 
Absolutely. Yep. You designed for it. I mean, the, the, the key, and everybody talked about it, was if I mean, if Burnett could get through, could get through six even, you know, then that that's the ball game because then you go to Robertson and Rivera. Right. Bing, 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 boom, 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 and away you go. Yeah. No, you, you the Yankees do are able to shorten things now. Soriano, of course, gave up the game-winning home run last night uh, to Delman Young, who is somehow always in the postseason. Right. Um, <laughs> he's uh, him and him and Darren Oliver have been in the last six or seven straight postseason. Right. But if you can somehow get to Robertson, who's extraordinarily well rested, um, you know, you can really shorten the game, and then you go to Mo, you go to the great one. Um, and that's it. And then that's the ball game. But uh, the Yankees need to score more than two runs. They do. They need to score more than two runs in this game tonight to stave off elimination. Now, Cal, I want to steer this a little bit because we don't want to, you know, we're doing a podcast. We don't want to do a live. We're not doing a live. I mean, it's a live show, but we don't want to do play-by-play or whatever for Major League Baseball. We will keep you updated, of course. Maybe you're listening at home. Maybe you have it on mute because, like I said, most Yankee fans hate Ron Darling anyway. So maybe put it, maybe put it on mute and listen to us. But here's here's something, Cal, that's very interesting to me. This idea that you had we we didn't really talk about this, but you had you know of the eight teams in the playoffs, and it's because it all sort of came down last Wednesday night after our show. We did a show last Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Afterward, everything's happening at once. It was March Madness for baseball. The most enjoyable night I've had, you know. Since. Oh, it was, it was terrific. Yeah. Uh, watching a non-Met watching baseball night, it was unbelievable. And flipping back and forth between the games and you had everything. It was just – it was unbelievable. So, two things. One, of the eight teams, okay, did you look at the payrolls? Yeah. The payroll differential was really interesting. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but you had like the, the, some of the highest and the lowest, all you know, with the Diamondbacks and the and the Rays. Okay, you had the Yankees, of course, and the and the Phillies have the second highest payroll in baseball. By the way, uh, third. Uh... Yeah, because that was the whole point. Was one and three were in, and Boston, which is two, was out. I'm gonna punch that up. Okay, I might be wrong. Punch that up. I thought that I was looking at it, and I was surprised that the Phillies were two. I, I thought they were two, but anyway, <clears throat> you see that there were. I think of the eight teams, how many were under a hundred million dollars? Uh, of the eight, were there four. Well, the Yankees and the Phillies were over. Um, I think Texas was over. I, uh, were they? I don't think Texas is. We got to punch gonna, this up. I'm going to pull it up. Yeah. But <clears throat> that was one thing that was really interesting from a Met aspect that was pointed out that, you know, everybody's talking about their payroll being 110 or $115 million, and how can they possibly build a winner? Uh, well, go take a look. Uh, okay, there, there are teams that are spending money wisely. You can absolutely build a playoff uh, team with under $150 million. Absolutely. That's how you spend it. That was one. Number two, Cal, did you watch Verlander last night? I did. I want one of those. When do we? When do? We, 
When when do I get my Verlander? Uh, when when is it Matt Harvey? Is that what you're telling me? I uh, I can't imagine that he's going to be as good as Verlander. I mean, it's just, well, I'm not saying it's good. Just give me a guy who's dominant like that. He that, was he, he was nasty. That one inning was unbelievable. That was like vintage Gooden from '85. Yeah, that's the only thing I have to compare. He struck out the side on ten pitches, and they weren't even close. Well, the crazy thing about Verlander was that in the eighth inning, he was throwing 100 miles an hour. Yeah. His That's last, insane. His last seven fastballs were 100 miles an hour over. Unbelievable. I, I, the guy is unbelievable. And he doesn't look like he's laboring. No. He never looks like he's laboring. But you – I, you know, we obviously don't get to see him a lot, and I think the Mets missed him when they played Detroit this year. Right. So we didn't get to see him. Um, and he's just man. I want I want one of those. <laughs> By the way, you were right about the Phillies. I have I punched up the information. Okay, yeah, on this. Let's, uh, give, give me the numbers on this because I found this to be really interesting. All right, so the top two payrolls in baseball are the Yankees and the Phillies. They both made the playoffs. The Yankees. <laughs> Our troops are home, <laughs> and now, now that we put the rest to hun, we can turn our attention to a fighting Philly song. <laughs> oh, that's what that is. Why oh, it's wasted world? on you. It's wasted on you. It's wasted on you. Of course it is. Of course it is. Why don't you come over and kick my dog while you're here? You expect two Philly haters to know the Philly song? Oh, it's the Philly song. <laughs> oh, my. That sounds like Homer Bailey should be on the mound when the music comes on. Homer Bailey. <laughs> then he danced the night away at the Copa. Sorry, ladies. He's mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Newsreel, 1942. Now that we put the hunt in his place... We turn our attention back to baseball and the boys in the field. And thank you for the Philly fight song. That's our producer who knows us so well. Wow. That he would deign to play. Why don't we? Why don't I just come over and like? Uh, oh wait. It's <laughs> gonna say do something to your house, Peach. But I don't want to say that. Not not for not. Cal, get this. <laughs> talking talking to PJ today, and I'm like, how's the cleanup coming? You know, how's everything going with the house? Because our, our producer, Pop Culture PJ, uh, was unfortunately the victim of a real anomaly with Hurricane Irene, uh, with flooding and just really stinky stuff for his house. And so I said, you know, how's the cleanup going and stuff? He goes, you want to laugh? The furnace died. <laughs> oh, jeez. He got like $80,000 worth of flood damage. And, you know, a month later, the furnace dies. Why wouldn't it? Yeah, point? why not? Why not? I was joking that we're going to have to uh, – we're, we're all ready to have a concert for PJ. PJ, PJ Aid. PJ Aid. Right. And he said, first we gotta have, we got to play an acoustic show so I can buy an amp so we can do a big show. <laughs> I said, so we basically have to have Amp Aid and then we can have PJ Aid. 
Oh man, I mean he's really yeah. Just I don't know who you he's who you pissed off at HGTV, but <laughs> goodness. Uh, so what do you got for the payrolls? Uh, okay, so the Yankees and Phillies top two payrolls. Yankees come in at two hundred and two million, and the Phillies come in at one seventy two. Okay, that's one and two. Then the Tigers and Cardinals come in at ten and eleven respectively. Okay. Both at a hundred and five million and change. So right at the hundred million mark. Right. Right. Um so those are your four over a hundred yep. that you had said. Yep. Uh Texas at number thirteen is ninety two million. Okay. Milwaukee at number seventeen is eighty five million. And now I'm, I want to I want to stop on them for a second. Look at that team. Look at the talent on that team, and that's an eighty-five million dollar payroll. Right, but they haven't paid Prince Fielder yet, and probably won't. Right. Um, but, but look at that staff. I mean, that's a that's a fantastic pitching staff. They have a really good starting four, which goes back to my Verlander point about how, you know, from the Mets' perspective, we're never going to get anywhere unless we have an ace. But go right. ahead. Um, <laughs> no, it's not that you're bitter or anything. No, no, no. no. Oh, it's all good. Okay. Uh, Arizona, number 25, $53 million. Um, and, uh, and the Tampa Bay Rays, the first of the eight to be eliminated this uh, postseason. But still, <laughs> the 29th ranked payroll in Major League Baseball, $41 million. Unbelievable. Or, or, Eleven million dollars more than Alex Rodriguez made this year. Wow! If you put it in perspective. So again, I just wanted to touch on that real quick, Cal, and just I wanted you to look at that. I don't know if you had seen those numbers. I had, and I, I had, I had forgotten about them. So I'm glad that and, I pulled it back up. And feel good about our Metropolitans. Well, there's, where there's, where do the Mets fit in right now? Where do the Mets fit in? Well. <laughs> I know they're outcasts, but yeah. of society. But where do they fit in as far as payroll? Well, I think this year what? <laughs> you know where they fit in? With an awesome theme song. Now that's a song. Take that, Phillies. You may have, you may have won five state division titles. Who's got a better song? Listen, I'll take a theme song with words any day. Right. Over five division titles. Over, uh, that's correct. And one right. series championship. Yep. And, needs it. I mean, we have a theme song with words. I can't I, sing the Phillies fight song. I want to know why. Anyway, what are they saying? <laughs> Come on. It's a baseball game. I want to know why. Go on. No, I, I wanted to know why, when I was talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks, why the, the Arizona Diamondbacks fight song didn't start playing. Right. Because they're only, they've only been around for like 14 years. Right. So they're, they're not allowed. They're too young to fight. Yeah. They actually, you know, you know what it is, Kyle? They don't have like a fight song like that. They have like a hip hop song from like the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> they have like a really bad, like, color me bad song. Like, <laughs> like Boys to Men or something like that. Oh, man. Like, uh, what's his name? Not uh, Darren Starr, like, wrote their, <laughs> wrote, their, wrote their fight song. Somebody like the guy who wrote 90210. <laughs> He's created 90210. Um, 
but you know, I thought the, I thought the peril stuff. I thought you would get a kick out of that. I thought you would like that knife. It's in, it's interesting. It's uh, it's in, like you said. It's interesting to see, and and it it clearly goes back to the pitching. That's what it is. If you have a young, uh, inexpensive pitching staff, and then you can build a team around that, you can compete. Yep. Absolutely. That's it. And and <clears throat> you you have to have that ace. Right, and then you have to have you know. Look, I've seen teams plug in guys and stuff like that, and 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 get pretty far and stuff. But you look at the Giants last year. You know, you look at that staff. You look at the Red Sox a couple of years ago. You look at the Cardinals in in oh uh, six when they when they won the World Series as an eighty three game winner in the regular season, and they got fantastic pitching performances out of their out of uh, what's his name. Wainwright. Well, Wainwright was out of the bullpen that oh, year. Wainwright was closing. What's his name? He signed a big contract with uh, Supon. Yes, Jeff Supon. Oh, Jeff Supon. Really, really. Jeff Supon. <sighs> Supson. Supson. Uh. By the way, speaking of uh, 2006, and then we'll, we'll, we can move on uh, to the Jets and the. Uh, speaking of apoplectic. Um, Cal, uh, so tonight I'm watching uh, as I was playing with Wes or whatever. I got the uh, re- uh, the Cardinals Phillies game on in the background, and uh, who comes up but Yadier Molina with two outs in the ninth and the tying run as the tying run at the plate, and I'm like, see, it's against the Phillies. There's no chance he's going to hit a home run here. No, of course not. No, and Aaron Hyman's not pitching. Right. <laughs> It was Ryan Madsen. So he hits the first pitch single to center and gets a base hit. I tell you, that SOB is clutch. He is. He hits clutch. He gets a base hit to center. And he was 0 for the series coming into that at bat. But down uh-huh. to 1 in the ninth, I tell you what, I take my chance with Yadi Molina. He always say he has a knack. I would, he seems to come through. Yep. I would be super pissed if I saw him coming to the plate with like a one-run lead against the Mets in the playoffs. Of course, it would be nice for the Mets to be in the playoffs. Cal, you're shaking your head. You look upset. What happened? The Yankees. Now, well, yeah. yeah, (laughs) A.J. Burnett is through five. The Yankees tacked on two runs in the top of the fifth, so it's 4-1 after five. Burnett's got a three-hitter. He just got a double play to get out of the inning. We talked about it. Cruising. So all all those Yankee fans, you know, specifically the Yankee fans that said they weren't even going to watch tonight. Yeah. Weren't even going to watch. Don't watch. I'm glad you're not watching, because you're, you're missing a hell of a ball game. Yeah. <laughs> ah, boy. Ah, boy. Well, you called it. I called it. It was. You know what? There was just too much negative mojo going his way. Yeah. Too much. I mean, I, I mean, it was just piling on, and for the sake of piling on, and and nobody, nobody is that bad. No, I, absolutely not. No, nobody is that bad. You know? And 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 also he he does have a track record of being successful and stuff. So this shouldn't come as a monumental surprise. It's just that he's been so bad, so bad. So we'll keep an eye on that. But the Yankees up four to one uh, into the top of the sixth. Is that uh, correct? Yeah, they're going to go to the sixth now in Detroit, which is what happens when the fifth inning is over. Now let me ask you before we before we finally move on, get your opinion on this. If the Yankees can hold on and win, we don't have to move four. on. We could stay if you want. No, we can. Well, I really don't want to talk about it much more. But, <laughs> um, but just I wanted to get your thoughts. If if the Yankees can hold on and win here, yeah, and tie the series at two, they go back to New York. They come back here on Thursday night. You get Ivan Nova who pitched a, a, an unbelievable game. 
in relief, and I'm just as an aside, it was driving me crazy watching that game on so was it Sunday? It was game two? Mm-hmm. No, game no, um Saturday, because it was game one. It was the it was the resumption of the suspended game from Friday night. Yes. Right. So it was right. game so game one on Saturday, and that and that actually is my point to all of this. Uh, whoever the announcer is, I think it's Brian Anderson doing the games for TBS, mm-hmm. made it a point to point out every single time the Yankees were pitching when Nova was on the mound that he was pitching in relief. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, would, he just would not let it go. What a fantastic relief performance by Ivan Nova out of the pen. Right? He just he kept talking about it like – like he, he, like he came up with this clever brainstorm that, aha, you all think that he started, but he didn't. It's a relief appearance. He's, right. And, the, and then they got into the, the, the greatest relief appearances in Yankee postseason history. They put that graphic up, and they just beat it to death that he was pitching in relief. Technically. Drove me crazy. Yeah. But now, if they go to a game five, it's Nova, who will be starting. He won't be coming out of the pen. So that means he'll be less effective. That's um, correct, right? Against uh, against uh, Doug Fister, yeah, pitched in Game Five. Who got knocked around in Game One? What do you think? What, how do you see that shaking out in Game Five? Actually, Fister was in relief as well in Game Two, or in Game right. One. He was right. They didn't beat that to death, though. No, no, it was only Nova because he pitched badly. Mm-hmm. Right. So had he pitched – so that had nothing to do with it? He was in relief. No. That's no. <laughs> Did they throw up the stat of how many you know relief appearances that Fister has made in his career? No? No good? Yeah, no. They didn't, they didn't show that. Doesn't no. count. Right. So how do you see – what do you think? I, feel, I would feel great if I was uh, the Yankees going to game five with Nova versus Fister because I, I feel like, A, you'd be home. B, Nova is very tough at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and B – uh, you know the, the nice uh, thing hey, about is that was two B's. That was that was. A. Which merits this, of course. And B. Thank you very much. The G. The RTU the RTU dancers there. <laughs> um, the other thing, Nova seems very comfortable in the big spot, Cal. Yeah, he does. Very he, comfortable. It really didn't. It didn't phase him. Didn't seem to. Um. Then again, he was pitching in relief. So. That's correct. No pressure. He didn't have to know. He just came out of the bullpen. What's your favorite? I know the answer to this, but I'll ask it anyway. What's your uh, best relief appearance by a Metropolitan that you've seen? My best relief appearance? No. You're, you're, that's, I, boy, did I phrase that beautifully. <laughs> what is the best relief appearance you've seen by a Met pitcher in your lifetime? Relief appearance. That's correct. Oh, come on, Cal. Well, Roger McDowell against the Astros in 86. I am shocked. I am shocked at this. I mean, that's that's a wonderful appearance. What, he pitched like five innings or something? Five, like five scoreless innings. But there's a bigger one about about a week and a half later. Oh, Sid Fernandez? Sid. Well, I, I kind of went with I kind of went with Roger because he, he he pitched five innings. What did Sid pitch? Four and a third, something like, or three and a three and a third, something yeah. like that. 
Yeah, it was a little over three. But that's the that's that's to me that's the key to that game, right? Sid comes in in, in the uh, Sid right. Fernandez comes in in, the, in game seven. He, it's three nothing at the time when he comes in, right? Three nothing at the time, right? Dar- Stems the tide. Darling didn't pitch badly, but Darling was on a short uh, short hook that game, obviously. And I think El Cid gets you to the seventh and gets you to a tie ball game, and then the Mets blew it out. Very important relief appearance. But you know what? I'll give you McDowell. I, I, I have. I, I mean, that's a big. That's a big moment in that 17 inning game. He throws five scoreless relief innings. That was. I mean, he gives up a run in any of those innings. The, the season is over. Well, the season is over because he's pitching in the bottom of the inning. But that was game six. Right. I, I thought you. I thought. You were, I, I thought you were throwing that out to Mike Scott. The fact that they had to face Mike Scott in Game Seven. You know, because it's crazy. Twenty-five years later, you still forget that it was only Game Six because Game Six because they were not going to win Game Seven. That's correct. They, they weren't. There was talk that it wasn't even going to be played. <laughs> Cancelled. Right. That's right. You know. Speaking of speaking of canceling the game. Not sure why the Jets should take the field this weekend. <laughs> According to one local sports talk show host. You know what the best part about that is? They, have, you, not, they have not legitimately won a game this year. <laughs> even though they're 2-2. Two and two. Before you even go on, we don't even have to say the name of the local New York sports talk show host. Because whenever you say that, whenever you refer to him by that, mm-hmm. everybody knows who it is now. They do. They should. He's enormous. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, it, but, but you want to know something, Steve? Hey, look, they got a lot of what they deserved yesterday. Yeah, they did. Today's tirade, not so much. Today's tirade was uh, Mr. Francesca being nervous about uh, A.J. Burnett taking the mound in an elimination game. Having to field angry Yankee calls all day, so he just went off for ten minutes on the Jets. I didn't hear it. Oh, it was oh my god. Oh my god. Cal. He's bad. The, the smile on his face as he questioned Santonio Holmes as a captain. Said that's absolutely asinine. Okay. He's now thrown everybody under the bus and Santonio Holmes has no leadership skills and doesn't belong being a captain. It's a joke. <laughs> they can't run the ball. And this was his line. Callie said it like nine times. The ground and pound has left town. <laughs> Can't make it up. Said it like nine times. <laughs> uh, we're, we're referring to the fact that the uh, the New York Jets. Well, Callie, you, we look. We're talking to each other, right? Yeah. yeah let's, Rex, let's Rex, Rex came out. After the Jets, uh, Rex Ryan came out after the Jets dropped to two and two, two straight abysmal performances, one on the defense, one on the offense. And Rex Ryan came out and said, "Look, we're we're going to go back to running the ball, and I ripped the offense a new one." And I think he had to. I think he had to call out the offense. I mean, we've talked about Brian Schottenheimer. You and I and Doctor Ira have talked about Brian Schottenheimer. I mean, more than you could possibly imagine for two and two years. Right. We've been talking about how Brian Schottenheimer – and we've given X's and O's reasons. It's not just like, oh, fire Paul Hackett stuff. It's not just like, oh, he stinks. Oh, fire the offensive coordinator. You know, Get rid of the hitting coach when the team's in a slump. That's not right. what this is. And, and, and this past weekend, Cal, we got tangible proof 
of things that I've been saying, and, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying I've been saying them. That's all. I don't care. I don't want any credit. Blah, 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 blah. It's, it's, everybody could see it. What we've been saying about Brian Schottenheimer to each other, largely, <laughs> and, the, and the small select listening audience that we have. But, but other people, too. A lot of, a lot of Jet fans that, yes. that, you, that you hear from all have a problem with him. Yes, and, and, and it's starting to come out like we've said, which is he seems to game plan a certain way. If it doesn't if, – if they show him something they haven't seen on film, he makes no adjustments. He has no ability to. And it's all about, well, he, he made this game plan, okay? It should work. It's not my fault. It's about execution. Right. Okay? And if the players aren't executing my game plan, then it's, it's on them. It's not on me. I came up with a good game plan from what I saw in film. And, and we talked about that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you know what? That, you know what? That's been missing. <laughs> Those are the people that sing the fun load. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah, they do the jet chant too. How he got seventy-eight thousand people in that house? I don't. And why? And why they, yeah, why do they haven't picked up a broom to help out? I, I can't figure it out for right. life. But he, he, Schottenheimer makes no has no ability to adjust, and we've seen this over and over again where players have said it, and now they're now they're just outright calling him out. San Antonio Holmes called him out. Mark Sanchez called him out. Said we're too predictable. But if you read between the lines in press conferences for over a year and a half, Mark Sanchez said things like, well, they showed us some stuff on film that we didn't really adapt to until it was too late or until we had to, unfortunately, blah, 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 blah. They showed us some things we didn't see on film. You know, uh, that's two blah, blah, blahs for me, by the way, Kyle. I'm done. Um, the separate jar for that. Yeah. <laughs> I am hanging out the ass this week. Um <laughs> We are going to have some pizza party, though. Oh, I can't wait. That is going to be a good pizza party. Um, No, but he seems – if you listen to the press conferences and you read between the lines, you can hear these guys saying this, saying that the offense is predictable. And then, Cal, the Clowney tweets, David Clowney, ex-Jet, tweets Mm -hmm. during the game on Sunday night, this is ridiculous. I'm calling out the plays in my living room, and I haven't been a Jet in a year. That's bad. It's, it's, it was the exact same game plan he had when they played them in the first game of the season last year. Right. And Kerry Jenkins, another ex-Jet who retired this year after several knee surgeries, um, was sort of live blogging for the game. I sent Chris, this to you. Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins. What right. did I say? Kerry Jenkins? Right. Kerry Jenkins is his brother. Chris Jenkins, uh, uh, live blogging during the game, Cal. Did you read some of this stuff? Yeah, I was looking at some of it before. I gotta, I gotta pull it up again just to. It was remarkable because Chris Jenkins doesn't seem to have any sort of media filter yet. No, which is which is kind of interesting. He's new to the whole thing. Like he doesn't seem to realize he's a member of the media, right? And so he's saying stuff in this blog about how Shoddy's predictable. You can't keep doing three step drops. They shouldn't pull Colin Baxter, the the center who's playing for Nick Mangold. All this stuff was just like, again, an indictment of Schottenheimer. Oh, yeah. So Rex Ryan calls out his offense and and rips them in a meeting, Cal. Doesn't rip them in public, but rips them in a meeting and then lets them talk about it. So he got his point across without having to do it publicly. But I – What's your problem? What's your beef? 
I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, you tell me. I didn't get the sense from, from all of the talk that I heard and the fact that Rex killed the team, because then you heard some pretty, you heard some, some comments from Matt Slauson, who kind of talked about the meeting in a, in a, you know, in generalities. I didn't get the feeling that Schottenheimer was held remotely accountable for this. It sounded like it was all about execution. I, that's my, that's my opinion. See, I, I had a different take there, Cal, because to me, it seemed like he called out everybody, including the coaches, and he had quotes where he said, it's on us as coaches to do a better job. Okay. And if that's not a veiled message at Schottenheimer, I don't know what is. You, look, I see, I didn't, I didn't, he's I, I didn't. going to call out his coaches, Cal. He's never going to do it. No, he can't. Not, right. Well, he can. It's not his style. Well, if you, if you, you want to keep the respect as a head coach, you can't. Exactly. But what he does need to do is get his ass in – oof, I'm fired up. Get his – do I have to pay on that I, one? I, no, that's, that one's okay. Okay. Uh, get his butt into the offensive meetings and pay closer we, – we've said this before about Rex Ryan as well. That's three years now we're talking about this. You can't just be a defensive coordinator. You are the head coach. I thought he did a little bit better job last year getting involved. As did I. And, and he even admitted it. After the first season, he knew that that was something that he needed to work on, and he admitted it. And I think he worked on it. But I just, I just, there's a lot in year three now of Sanchez and Rex Ryan. I, there's a lot of regression going on. Yep. And and it seems like he was so concerned with fixing the defense last week that he just said to Shoddy, "Go get him." Right. Basically, went hands off on the game plan with the offensive coordinator. Which is crazy when you think about the fact that he was the he was the coordinator of that defense that they played against. Yep. If anybody is going to have any idea what's coming, it's him. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just I, I I think, and here's my big statement of the night. Big statement of the night. <laughs> uh, sponsored by Verizon and, and Coca-Cola. Not when really. you want when you have a big thirst, make a big statement. Oh boy, draw the papers up. But I just on that one. <laughs> what I just did. <laughs> I think that Mark Sanchez's regression, quote unquote, and I'm doing the quotes thing like Sheila and say anything, um, is largely due to Brian Schottenheimer. I don't think it's as much on his physical limitations as I do think it's on the offensive coordinator. I agree with that. I think he's holding him back. I agree with that. Here's 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 an interesting thing I was thinking about, Cal. Why do I have to preface it that way? Let's just say it. You know, remember that scene in Spaceballs? <laughs> what are you preparing for? You're always preparing. Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare to go to light speed. Prepare to go to lose. What are you preparing for? You're always preparing. Just go. <laughs> I was thinking about this interview that I heard with Trent Dilfer on the BS report last year. And Trent Dilfer is great, I think. I think Trent Dilfer does an unbelievable job. At speaking. <laughs> yes. Not, <laughs> not necessarily at quarterbacking. That is cold. I'm sorry. Uh, true. But cold. Blackmail is an ugly word. <laughs> True, but ugly. He he talked about the idea of 
how important it is for a quarterback drafted into the league, the system that they go into. And he wasn't making excuses for himself. He wasn't at all. He, he talked about the system he had in Tampa and the coaches that he had there. He talked about the coaches that he had in Seattle where they finally got it and he was finally performing well. He talked about the coaches with the Ravens and what they asked him to do. And I, He said you don't realize how important it is. Now that's not to say if Ryan Leaf goes to the Colts and Peyton Manning goes to the Chargers that Ryan Leaf is going to be Peyton Manning. But the coaching that you receive and the system that you are put in is almost as important as the physical talent that you have. I totally agree with that. I think there's a lot to that. Well, you know, and, and just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a leap here and use Jim Leland as an analogy because I listened to his press conference today. And one of the things that they asked Jim Leland in the press conference was, did you talk to your team about winning? And, and did you impress upon your team how important it was to win tonight? And he said that he never, he, he never, I forget how the question was asked, but his response was he never prepares his team to win. He never pre- prepares his team to win. That's what it is. He doesn't prepare his team to win. He prepares his team to compete. So in other words, what Jim Leland does is he puts his players in the best position possible to win. And that's the same thing that I, that I was thinking of with, with Mark Sanchez and Schottenheimer. You build the system around the quarterback's strengths, like you said. You, know? you don't try to force the quarterback into your system if it's playing away from what he's good at. Absolutely. You're not, you are setting him up to fail to do that. And, you know, your ultimate goal is you're, you're going to make yourself look good because your system worked. But what you're doing is, is you're setting the athlete up to fail. Absolutely. To put, you know, to put the athlete in a position to succeed, you have to, you have to work around his skills. And the Leland thing just made me think of that. That's a, no, that's a great, great analogy. And also, Cal, it, if you think about going into a system where – the offensive coordinator, in this particular case, the offensive coordinator in, in football is not so rigid and not so married to his scheme, or maybe in the case of Brian Schottenheimer, concerned about his next job and getting a head coaching job. Okay, no, that's not to say that Brian Schottenheimer doesn't want to be successful. Of course he does. Of course he wants the offense to be successful. He's going to get promoted. I mean, let's not forget this guy was, what, 32 years old when he got the job? And he is a holdover from the last regime with Mangini mm-hmm. and a different quarterback. That's why these, these quarterbacks and these coaches go through systems like, you know, guys change their underwear. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, how many offensive, how many offensive schemes has a, a quarterback like Alex Smith had? Like, what, seven? Right. But if the coordinator is smart and you have a guy like Mark Sanchez, it, it, you're right. It doesn't seem that he's putting Mark Sanchez in the best position to be successful. It seems to me like Brian Schottenheimer says, here's my scheme. You run it. Okay? If it fits your strengths or not, I don't care. Make it work. Because it works. Mm-hmm. Because and it's it, my scheme and it right. works. And if it doesn't work, that's because it wasn't executed properly. Correct. Yep. And, and, that's, and that is driving me crazy pants. You know, okay. think, think about two years ago at the end of the season when, when Sanchez was really struggling as a rookie. Mm-hmm. They, you know, 
they they went, you know, the whole color coded system, the cheat sheet thing that they went to that everybody made fun of them for. Mm-hmm. It actually worked. You know why? They simplified it for Sanchez. He's a rookie. It's a lot for him to deal with in his first year. They simplified it. They showed the ability to adjust at that point, and it worked. And I don't understand where the reluctance is at this point to, to, to continue to try to adjust, whether it be in-game, adjusting to what the defense is throwing at you. That's the big or, one. That's the big one, but, but even more, you know, also, during the week, you know, adjust to the, adjust to the talent level and the skills of, of your personnel. You know, if you're such a genius, if you are such an offensive genius, then you should be able to come up with another scheme like that based on the skills of your team. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, know? I, I, you couldn't have said it better. Absolutely. Kill it. Done. Jets Sorry. It. No, beautiful. I feel like I hijacked your point. Absol- absolutely not. You, you, no, that's beautiful. That's exactly it. That is my point. And that is what that is why this team struggles on offense. That's why this team, when it is successful on offense, Cal, it's not because of some brilliant game plan. It's because the team they're playing showed them what he saw on film. Or or they get down by three scores and they and they have to chuck the game plan. And then Sanchez just starts calling his own plays. Forget about down by three scores. They go down by, by two scores and they chuck it. Good. Quickly. It stinks. It's oh, it bad. Well, this this week was bad. Well, we're at the quarter pole in the NFL season. Jets are two and two. Giants are surprising three and one. Good win. Hey, a win's a win. Take nothing away from the Giants. They they may have gotten a break, but it's a judgment call. I think the only reason they got a break on that cow and that fumble is because anytime you put something in the hands of the referee and it goes your way, you get a break. <laughs> because because empirically that could go either way. That's so true. if it, so because it's a judgment call. So if it goes your way, now it, whether he called it right or correctly, um, which is a much more uh, intelligent way of saying that, uh, <laughs> you know who knows? That's a matter of opinion. If you're a well, Giant fan, you think he called it correctly. <laughs> if you're anybody else, it's a fumble. But it doesn't matter. They they still had to make the play after that. After they got the break, they did. Eli Manning throws uh, again. Has been red hot since his awful start against the Eagles. Um, he did have a fumble in that game. Can't really kill him on that one. But uh, the Giants get a very good win. Tell you, they're, they're the better-looking football team in New York. The Jets are a mess, and they have to go to Foxborough this week. Yeah, I mean, could, couldn't couldn't be a worse scenario for the Jets to have to go up to New England this week um, after – I mean, well, I, I told you this. I brought this up a couple of days ago. Yeah. You know the Patriots circled this date as soon as the calendar came out. They circ, you know, after last year's playoff loss. Brady said they, it yesterday. You already said it, Brady. Already no. said it. Well, there you go. This game is huge. I hate the Jets. Oh, he, he did, did. Did he say that again? He said something to that effect. Yes. Oh, okay. Said, of course, we got to get this game. We've been waiting for this game, et cetera, et cetera. You know, he can say I hate the Jets, Cal. It's okay. That's he's Tom, right. He's Tom Brady. It's okay. That's right. But when Cromartie says something about the Patriots, not you know, allowed. He's not classless. We're gonna uh, we're gonna bring our buddy uh, Nello in in a couple of minutes here uh, and uh, do the fun load and talk a little bit about NFL pregame shows with Dan. Dan's just fun to talk to. He, he is. He is chock full of fun. Yeah, you know, I'm Whether, sure. PJ will come back in, Cal, and we'll talk, and it'll be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. But before we get to that, just real quick, Cal, 
throwing the football aside because I'm very upset with the Jets, obviously. Um, hockey season, Cal. Yeah, how about that? Islanders opening night, Saturday night, Cal. Saturday night. I'm excited. Niederreiter got hurt, huh? He hurt his groin, but he's going to be okay. They said he's still going to make the team. Oh, good. All right. I see, I see that he went on IR, but I have no idea how IR for hockey works. It's not like football. He's not out for the season. Right. <laughs> I was like, they put him on IR. Is he, no, 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 no. Is he on the pup, maybe? I, the IR is is like the disabled list. They don't have a disabled list in hockey. but It's like a DL, right? Yeah, but, he, but he'll be back within a couple of weeks. But he's going to make the team out of camp. Um, Ryan Strom, their first-round draft pick, signed today. They signed him. He probably will not make the team directly out of no, camp. No. Yeah, they're going to send him down. Which is okay. Um, but, I thought they might. I, I'm sorry, Kyle. I thought they might keep him for nine games, though, while Nita Ryder was hurt, like they did with Nino last year, and give him a taste, and then they can send him down after nine games. Yeah, that's a possibility. I guess they could do that. Um, they sent the Han down. They sent the Han down. Yeah, we're gonna go a little inside Islander hockey right now. <laughs> Break down the Islanders. Right. So you were waiting patiently for hockey talk. No, you but you know what? Thirty seconds left. But it's it's exciting. They they have a lot of promise. They've locked up all of their key young players for the yep. next few years. It's not even just for this year. You know, every all key members of this team are locked up for at least three years right now. It's fantastic. And they they locked up Tavares, they locked up Arposo. They have a three headed goalie competition going on, Cal, which has been fascinating. I tell you the Islanders I, I I have not been this pumped for a hockey season in years. Years. I mean me neither. I may start saying a boot. I may go all in and say organization. I may do it all. You have to go there, huh? I may go all in, that's all I'm saying. I may go like have donuts and coffee and stuff like every morning now. Tim Hortons. At Tim Hortons, I may go all in. I may actually know who Tim Horton is. I, I don't know who he is. He's an ex-hockey player. I believe he was a Bruin. I mean, a uh, Sabre. I think you might be right. Yes. Uh, but I may go all in on the aisles. And there's no basketball, Cal. No, no basketball at all. And that's perfectly Small. fine by me. I mean, is there is there anybody besides the sports guy that's really upset that there's going to be no NBA? I guess. I don't have you? Have, do do you? All right, let me put it this way. Do you know anybody that is like really devastated at the prospect of there being? You do. I do. I know a couple. Our, our buddy Jay Linder is not happy. He's a big Nick fan. Okay. I know a lot of big Nick fans. Believe it or not, Nick fans are basketball fans, but they love the Knicks. That that makes them NBA fans. Okay. They they are disappointed. No Knicks basketball right now. We may get some fans back though. Like, I'm working really hard on McWalters to start watching the Isles again. Say, no Knicks, no Mets, obviously. I really think that, you know, all all kidding aside, I think this is a huge opportunity for the NHL to grab some fans back. If they're smart and they can market it the right way this fall, while there's no NBA, that's that's where you go to watch. Got it. I, I really think that this is a huge opportunity for them. This is not just a huge opportunity, Cal. This is it. It's this enormous. is this is the, no, but this is their last opportunity. Ah, uh, you know, I, I I, know. I, I'm not going to go that far. With the way the economy is and stuff like that, with how under the radar they've been, they had this opportunity in 1998 with the lockout in the NBA. They didn't take advantage of it. They have star power right now. They have Sid Crosby. They have Alexander Ovechkin. They have good young players. They have hockey back in Winnipeg where it belongs. This is it's now. It's now. 
They have a they have a decent television contract, the partnership between NBC and Versus. Okay, they have the Winter Classic now. There's a bunch of Winter Classics being played. So the Rangers are playing one this year. I think the uh, they're keeping the the Detroit one or something. I think there's like three this year. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think they're doing like three this year, the three Winter Classics on that day or whatever. Wow. So it's there. Got to take advantage of it. They got to take advantage. And I'm pumped for Island. You know what? Next Tuesday night, we're going to talk about a little, a little Islander hockey maybe. I think that's a good idea. And just, you know. No, no, go ahead. Finish your point. We can do both. Oh, the last point was that giving equal time to the other team in the area, the New York Rangers, waved Sean Avery today. Did yeah, you see that? I did. did. They waved him. Maker. And I immediately prayed that the Islanders would not sign him because I cannot root for that guy. No, I don't think they're going to. Cal, you know what time it is? It is time for the RTU Fun Load brought to you by FFAdvisor.com, Cal. FFAdvisor.com, FantasyFootballAdvisor.com. Our buddies over there have come up with an algorithm that rates every fantasy football website, Cal. So Cal. you want to you know you want to know who did the best, uh, and and who had the best rankings and who had the best stardom and sitem every week. Check out ffadvisors.com, run by Dave Rutley and the boys. Uh, they do an awesome job. I have used them several times, and that's why you're three and one. Correct, and I scored 195 points last week. Congratulations. That's a big That's, week. Uh, it was a biggie week. Biggie small. Well, Aaron Rodgers. That'll do it. And I have Cam Cam Newton on I have Cam Neely on my bench as well. Wow, we're really talking hockey, huh? Cam I have Cam Newton on my bench. Let's let's call our buddy Nello. Let's call him and bring him on into the front. Hopefully he answers his phone. Calling our buddy Nello, who is supposed to be home. Hello? Hey, uh, Dan Antonello, please. Hi, Dan. Uh, hey there. <laughs> did, did you like your intro music there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, you, you have an organ in the studio there? That's correct. Yes, we do. We have the old organist from Shea. <laughs> Spared no expense. How are you, Nello? Doing all right. Uh, how are you guys tonight? Uh, we're feeling a little nipply. It's a little chilly in the studio here, so I'm uh, I'm a little I'm a little on edge. We've uh, we've already ripped on uh, the Jets and and uh, Brian Schottenheimer, taking advantage of that. And uh, Cal here uh, has been giving us live updates of the Yankee game. I see. Cal, do you have one of those? Yeah, but I think I want to check in with. Uh... With Dan, Dan, you've been watching the game tonight. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, the big, the biggest update for for the Yankees is that uh, AJ came through, pitched five and two thirds, gave up a run, and um, you know, the, the, as good a performance as you could have asked for for him. So I feel, I, I feel good for him. I feel good. It, it, it puts a slightly different spin on the season to come through in the playoffs. So. Um, uh, everything uh, that we would have uh, wanted. So you're feeling vindication for AJ? Well, I, you know, as a fan, you're rooting hard for him, you know, and, and you hate to see a guy struggle 
like he did and, and really just get killed publicly. I mean, to not have your own fans <laughs> yeah. behind you, uh, to, to not be comfortable pitching at home. Um, you know, you feel for a guy. So, um, it's, uh, it's great that he came through. Dan, how many of those fans are going to apologize tomorrow for, uh, for <laughs> killing AJ Burnett all day? I, I think that all, all radio, uh, shows will be flooded with calls. There will be a letter campaign, probably <laughs> telegrams sent. <laughs> there may be an airplane with smoke messages. Uh, it's going to be on all outlets. Wire, wire cable. I've already sent candies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, there's a quick sample of that call tomorrow. Your first time, long time, just want to say, got to apologize to A.J. Burnett. I mean, <laughs> really, you know, I've been killing him all season. And he came through shocky rules. Um, <laughs> Dan, so the other the other takeaway from the night from the game, by the way, is Granderson. Uh, Granderson just incredible on the field tonight. Unbelievable! He saved, saved, at five saved yeah, saved at probably about five runs with his glove. Well, mm-hmm. he knows he knows that park well, does he not? He's I mean, a beautiful thing to watch out there. He sh- he should know that center field pretty well. No, that's true. Yeah. True. I mean, we we sort of forget that he roamed out there for a couple of years. Um, Nella, one, a couple of things we wanted to talk to you about. We wanted to bring you on. Nice. We wanted to talk to you. The first one was, uh, the first one was about the the Jets. You're also a big Jet fan, um, and and Cal and I have been talking about Brian Schottenheimer and how much we love him and his work. <laughs> and uh, just give us your quick. What are you thinking so far with this team, boy? Well, I think, to me, the disappointment is that they haven't progressed from the last two years. Um, but I can't, I can't say that the season is some sort of disaster because they don't look any different than they did the last two years and they made the AAC championship game. So, you know, I don't think this is panic time because um, this is the way they played their games last year and they just happened to you know, win on the last drive a few more times than they have so far this year. The, the, uh, what's bitterly disappointing is that they haven't taken a step forward uh, and uh, played the way they did against Jacksonville. Um, again, they were also playing, a, you know, a college quarterback that day. Um, <laughs> but so it's, it's disappointing, but it's not, it's not a disaster by any means. It's, it's really frustrating to watch, though, because... It feels when you're watching these games, you know you you, you you're rooting for a uh, a a, uh, a great battle against the Ravens. You're, you're not. It it feels like things just fall apart so quickly, and then <laughs> and then they have to get a huge amount of luck to just creep back in. But then they end up creeping back in. It, it, they're tough to watch, though. They are. Uh, that's why PJ was just playing the Survivor theme music because he has. And and you know what though? He's spot on. He decided before the season started that. Uh, thank you. <laughs> no, that's you know this Jet season, especially with what the media is doing to this team and stuff, is Survivor. It's like, can they last to the end of the season with the media destroying them? Now look, Dan, you and I know it, and Cal and I have said it too. That the media, we were texting about this Sunday night, late, um, when they were getting blown out. That the media is feasting on this. 
I mean, they're, they're enjoying this thoroughly, but that's what you get with Rex, right? I mean, this is this is what you well, get. When you're, when you're I don't know. For Braggart. Uh, you know, to me, I, I feel like the New York media um, inject themselves into the story way too often, and I think this is a product of having too many papers, too many writers on each paper, and not enough material. Um, they they end up injecting themselves into the story, creating drama um, that doesn't necessarily exist in reality. Um, look, they... It, they also love Rex, um, and will, uh, you know, they will, they will blow him up when things are going right. So, um, it comes with sure what, Oh yeah, no, it yeah, comes yeah. The Well, but Dan, you you talk about the New York media doing that, but did did you happen to listen to Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth during that game on Sunday night? They were the only thing that was missing was was like a like a big oversized lollipop and you know pigtails and you know giggling and talking about boys and they were going crazy. About yeah, it. Well, give me some specifics, Kali. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it does seem that's what I that's what I envisioned. Right, it does seem Al Michaels sitting here licking a lollipop. It does seem, seem, though, that the national media gets more of a kick out of it, Dan. They do. They get more of a – they get more – I think they get more um, out of it when the Jets get it handed to them because I think there's a little Rex Lash going on here. You know, I think think the New York media will definitely build him up. But you're you're hearing – you're reading Gary Myers today, and you're hearing – it's just exhausting. It really is. Like they they are a really tough team to root for right now, Dan. They are exhausting. It's tiring. It's tiring. It's tiring. Uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's uh, it's inexplicable too, because it's so counter to what our expectations are. Especially these last two games, um, where you you're at least counting on the defense to keep you in the game. Um, but they've really, I mean, this, they have really fallen apart. Um, but, you know, I guess the, the, to me, the season is young and they haven't, they're really not playing so much different than they did in certain portions of the last two years. So, um, I'm not ready to, to make this a gloom and doom scenario right now. Um, and well, this is just, uh, off on that one. what's that? I said you're by yourself on that one. I was optimistic for about nine minutes. <laughs> <laughs> now it's all gone. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I will, uh, I, I will stand by it. I, you know, there, there were plenty of times the last two years where you, you'd look at this offense and say, how are they going to do anything in the playoffs, or how are they going to make the playoffs, or you'd, you'd wonder why this defense, which, which seems so good at times, you know, let up a big game. And you know we're just we're seeing that a little more now, but uh, it doesn't mean they're not going to pull it together. So um, I like it. I like it. You're a cockeyed optimist. I like it. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't call it optimistic. I would. I would just say that you know I think the way fandom is right now uh, is reactionary, inflated, hyperbole. Uh, that's just wow. the way. It, that's what. That's just what fandom is right now. Uh, but I think if you look at the record, there's reason to just 
to just be a little more calm. Right. Wow, that was deep. Um, <laughs> Dan, we were uh, the other thing we wanted. One of the things we wanted to talk to you about too was uh, the idea of pregame shows, right? The NFL pregame shows. Uh, we've been uh, teasing this fun load for about five weeks now, so I'm glad we finally got you on because I know you're you're a very busy uh, pirate. So um, <laughs> this is Mariano Rivera, and this is Stefan Lauda. Thank you, Mo Rivera. Checks in. Uh, Dan, we thought you'd like that. We have uh, that's not actually Mariano Rivera, by the way, Dan. <laughs> that's crazy. Shouldn't he be getting ready to come into this game? What's the score of that game? Is Mariano Rivera is the great Mo Rivera even going to be necessary? Uh, uh, I don't right now, no. Tough to say. Yeah. Tough I mean, to say where they'll they'll, uh, they'll have him come in. Although they're they're threatening again here, so maybe not. Is or can Mo Rocca close this game out? <laughs> Um, no, but Dan, with the NFL pregame shows, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. Why, Dan? Why do they suck now? And am I? And second part, part B. Have I overinflated my feelings about them from my youth? Um, I I don't know. I don't know. It's very difficult to say whether they suck now or I was just uh, a stupid kid who liked them 20 years ago, and they haven't changed at all. It's it's so hard to tell. I mean, you know, Can maybe... I, I, I'm sorry there, boys. What did you say? No, I, I was... What I can tell you is that 20 years ago, they weren't doing skits. That was not necessary to entertain. Uh, I think... Um, there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, there was um, there was less information available 15, 20 years ago. So, you know, you weren't on the Internet, you weren't on your fantasy team, and you weren't reading three different papers, four different blogs all well, week. That's a, that's a huge you know, one, too, you hit on right off the bat, Dan, is the fantasy team. Yeah, and, and you, you so you were salivating to... to see some clips and hear about what's going on. Uh, whereas now, we, we've heard too much by the time Sunday goes along that we're, you know, the same quote has been thread between, in four different articles in the Post on Sunday morning. <laughs> right. Um, so I think that we're a little overloaded. Um, give, me, give me your classics, Cal. You too. Jump in here too. Give me, what are your classics? Like, let's go back. Uh, you know, obviously, we I grew up as a Jet fan, so I was always watching uh, CBS, or uh, I should say uh, NBC, because uh, the NFC was on CBS. Uh, and so I, you know, I tended to lean towards that uh, that pregame show with uh, what you had Costas. Was it Costas? Brian Gumble? No, we had Bob uh, Costas. Costas. Costas was there for a few years. Uh, I think it begins and ends with that show for me. Yeah, McGuire, right? Or uh, no, who was uh, Bob? Pete Axelm did Pete, the Pete Axelm did the picks. Ahmad Rashad was Ahmad Rashad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For me, that was the classic group. But I think as the history of pregame shows go, it was the CBS show uh, that started it all off with Jimmy the Greek uh, yes. several years before. Then I think that I think they were the only game in town for a while. Well, you had Musburger, you had uh, Jimmy the Greek, 
sit, uh, sitting on one panel. I I always I liked uh, Will McDonough. Remember they used to bring Will McDonough on. Oh yeah. That was the only time too at that time, you know, pre-internet that you got to see other reporters for other teams. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't just look up the New England. What's the New England paper? The New England Gazette. Sure, the Boston Globe. Yeah, that's Boston a great Boston point. Globe. Thank you, the New England Gazette. It's yeah. a great point. I mean, to, to hear the other the other cities take. Um, yeah, you couldn't it's get so that. unique. Yeah. You couldn't just look up the Boston Globe online. That's why, Cal, you watch sports reporters, right? I watch sports reporters. I mean, that's why sure. sports reporters was magnificent. And that's why it's dead now. That's why, exactly. That's why it is. Because you can read Mitch Album. Uh, in, in the Detroit Free Press or whatever. Sports reporters, let me talk about that show for a second, by the way. That show was, I was up on Sunday morning watching that show. I mean, that was that was huge. That was part of the, 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 the fabric of my Sunday morning. Well, what was great about that show was that for years, all we got to do was read the sanctimony from Mike Lupica. And now we actually got to hear him <laughs> say it on, on TV. On a so Sunday was- morning. That was fun. It was like it was going to church. Yeah, church it, uh, I loved it. Uh, with you, Lupica album, Bob Ryan. Um, Bob Ryan, that's the all-star team right there. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and they're they're brilliant reporters. You loved what they had to say. They were insightful. They were smart. Um, I would still watch that if if that was the lineup. Um, yeah. Who is the, know, who is the moderator on that? Who is the uh, Saunders, yeah. Saunders no, was for a while. Dick Shap. Oh, Dick, oh, Dick Shap. Dick, Dick, Dick Shap. And then uh, a year or two later, uh, they went to. I, I think it's John, is it John Saunders? John Saunders took over for Dick Shap when he passed yeah. away. Yeah, you're was... absolutely right. Shap. That was that was the team with Shap at the helm. Absolutely. Oh, Shap just owned it. Yeah, I mean, no, he was great. He killed it. He was great. I used to like when they had uh, Roden on too. Where uh, William Roden? Or from the Times? Mm-hmm. From the Times was great. I think he's passed away too. Am I wrong? I don't know. The I don't want to. But you know that. this this <laughs> formula this formula works for a lot of people because if you look at you know what the shows ESPN has now, uh, they model it with with um, writers uh, you know in front of the camera. And, well, I forgot um, about ESPN on SNY. Every other show is is sports writers sitting around a table talking. Well, yeah, in, in that's true. Right. right. They, but the, you know, that is, but that's where we are today. I mean, they don't have SNY has to put something on. Uh, they don't have anything else to do. <laughs> what else are they going to put on there? Well, I think actually, I mean, I think actually, some of that programming is 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 good. Some of the stuff they've married to the Daily News is good because. Uh, you do get reporters on. Now, some of the guys stink, but some of the beat guys, uh, when you have Daily News Live and stuff like that, I think that's a decent show. I watch Daily News Live every once in a while. I don't think it's... I think in in this climate, or where we are technology-wise, and what we're talking about, the idea of the internet and and the the influx of information and sports blogs and stuff like that, I thought that was actually like a pretty interesting way to go. It was to marry it to a newspaper. But... My question is, now with an NFL pregame show, with everything that's out there, and fantasy, because i got to be honest with you, the only time I'm watching an NFL pregame show right now is to see who's hurt and to see who's going to play. 
That's it. Right, and which is, and actually, it's not the greatest source in the world. It's probably better to yeah. go to the, the CBS Sportsline broadcast right. uh, in the in the at the eleven a.m. But um, uh, I look. I think that they should shorten these things. I think they should shorten them. It would make it more watchable, probably. Um, remember when I it was wonder. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, so remember when it was twelve thirty for a one o'clock game? Oh yeah. What was it? You turned in at twelve thirty, and you got a nice tight, tight half hour pregame show. Absolutely, that that kind of that could uh, generate a little more interest. Five one now, by the way. Um, right. On a let ball. me uh, let me ask you guys this because I think for our generation, um, the postgame show. You know, we we sort of we sort of were in the era where the post postgame show became a big deal. With NFL Countdown, yeah, and I think I, I I don't know about you guys, but I look forward to NFL Countdown in its first few years, oh. almost as much as watching a game. Absolutely, absolutely. It was, and, it, and when we were in college, yeah, forget about it. It was a staple. It was you watched yep. your game, and then you hustled back to your your dorm room, or you hung out at the bar you watched the game at, uh, and. You just watched yeah. NFL Countdown. It was yeah. it was almost as good as watching a game. It was. Yeah, there was, it was sort of the equivalent back then to sitting in a bar now and watching five different games go on while you're and and watching your fantasy stats accrue. Yeah. Um, that there you got your whole flavor, the whole league, uh, for a good hour. Then they expanded, I think, to an hour and a half. It was the height of Berman. Um, yeah. It was the height of of what he did and what he, you know, it was his, his act was novel. Uh, it's worn so thin that it's unlistenable, <laughs> as far as I can tell now. But but we, it was great back then. We talked about Brian Schottenheimer not being able to make adjustments earlier. <laughs> I mean, Chris Chris Berman is the poster boy for not being able to make adjustments. He is tissue thin at this point. Yes. Oh, his act. You is know, tissue I. Totally agree with you. It's six one now, by the way. Um, right. I agree with you guys Thank that goodness. he hasn't made adjustments, uh, and I've had discussions about this with uh, with different people, and I've heard some interesting perspectives on that. And because I wonder, if I was a TV exec, wh- why am I keeping this guy around? This is so flat. <laughs> it's so hackneyed, and you know, from the from the TV exec perspective. They just want stability. And maybe this the same as the broadcaster. He's doing his shtick. It seems to have worked. He doesn't get criticism from his bosses or to his face. And That's true. As, as far as he's concerned, it's still working. Yeah, they and they, you know, too, that's a, that's a great point, Dan, too, because they go with the institution aspect. Yeah. You know, whether you're good or not, I mean, look at, I'll give you another It's too example. risky for them. It's too risky. Exactly. They're making money. And how often do they how often do they do this with broadcasters themselves, you know, doing games and stuff where the guy uh is an institution so you're not going to remove him because hey, could we do better? Yeah, probably, but he's not hurting anybody. I yeah. mean, Brent Brent Musburger is still doing games. And Brent Musburger is still doing big games and Brent Musburger stinks. Well, stinks. I that I disagree with. I have to oh, tell you. I I oh, I, I, I there's some, to me there's something about Musburger's voice that makes it sound like a big game and he still does his homework 
He's got a story about each player. Uh, I appreciate uh, what he does. I don't think he has his fastball anymore. Cal? Disagree. I don't think the Brett Musburger is, is good. What? That's two to one on Cal. <laughs> well, we can all agree on one thing, that that everything we've talked about uh, also has affected your local sports uh uh, your local sports guy, your wrap-up guy, your WPIX guy. Your, there's oh. no more, you know, Sal Marcianos or Len Bermans. I mean, who cares? Who's watching that stuff anymore? Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's totally killed the nightly sportscast. I mean, there's just right. no point in doing it. No point in there's, doing it. There's no point in doing it. They, they shouldn't. And I, I actually interned, as you guys famously know, my, uh, my professional internship was at uh, Fox 5 Sports in New York and uh, working for Carl White and uh, working in Just the production. Just before uh, Carl, Carl Menefee took over, is that right? Before Kurt, Kurt Menefee came Kurt in. Kurt Menefee, yep. that's right, yeah. Good, good call. Kurt Menefee was a really nice guy. He came from L.A. Uh, Carl White was the sports anchor uh, at night on the 10 o'clock news with uh, John Rowland and Rosanna Scotto. <laughs> and uh, I actually, you know, did that and, and, and that was a long time ago. It was almost 20 years ago, but uh, or you know, 18 years ago, or whatever. Obviously, that's changed a great deal. Can that leads me to my my last question on this, Dan? Can it ever go back? Like, if you're okay, so your NFL game day and the NFL Network is different. I mean, they have to do that. I I expect a seven hour pregame show on the NFL Network. <laughs> uh, that's and then if I'm going to and they have good guys because Rich Eisen I think is very good. Um, they have very solid guys. I'm talking about the network stuff. I'm talking about Fox, and I'm talking about uh, CBS. Can they ever get it back, or is is the genie out of the bottle and uh, Christine Aguilera? <laughs> I think uh, I think the paradigm has shifted. Uh, I don't know what the ratings are, but I can't imagine they're very good for those uh, for those ga- for those pregame shows. And, um, you know, I would expect that there, you know, there's a lot of resources put into it, uh, and they're not reaping much from it. So, um, I think the animal should change, you know? Yeah. Um, I I think the first step is to, um, is to not hysterically laugh at everything everybody says on the panel. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that article that counted the bursts of laughter during the Fox broadcast? I think it was last year. Yeah, it was last year, yeah. Well, the Fox, I mean, and let's be honest, the Fox broadcast is a disgrace. I mean, it's a terrible... Well, look, they've, been, they've been clowns for 10 years, though. So you're saying it's it's shifted all the way over to it's acceptable because at least they know they're clowns. I mean, they, you have, know Frank what? Maybe, they have Frank Caliendo on doing shit. You know, I don't know. Maybe we stumbled upon something here. Maybe, maybe that's when things really turned because I think we all thought the Fox broadcast was just a clownish joke when it first started, but you know maybe they just changed the genre enough where that's that's sort of the norm, and you know we just don't like it very much. And that's and that's watchable, right? Well, I think we have to. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Uh, that's our that's our producer giving us the sign that we need to wrap it up. No, it's not. We wrap it up anytime I want. Turn the music off. Before we wrap it up, I wanted to I just wanted to see if you guys remembered when NBC inserted Todd Christensen into the pregame show. 
<laughs> and you remember that? And his perm? I, I don't. Well, big, uh, I don't remember that. There were two big things about Christensen. He he was always the man on the scene reporting from whatever the big game was. And the two things about him were, yes, his perm was number one. Magnificent. Perfectly quaffed. And number two, the way he held the microphone. Dangerous. Yes, he held it like Bob Barker used to hold the yes, microphone. Yes, 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 yes. And it was something I had never seen before from this supposedly <laughs> tough, uh, rough and tough tight end in the National Football League now standing on a field with a perm and, and, and holding a microphone with his pinky up. And a really nice jacket. Like Always had a nice jacket. It was cold, like a really nice, sort of like a London fog or something really, <laughs> something really nice. There yeah. were also, there are all sorts of those guys that you know would be on location or whatever when you would, uh, and 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 again we didn't see these guys otherwise. No, I, I think the better that, one, or the or the bigger idea here, Cal, you bring up something interesting too is. The ex-player in – not just as a uh, color guy because that's sort of used to – like the studio guys I, I always remembered were broadcasters, you know, or they seem to me to be broadcasters. And then – but now it's all ex-players. Yeah, you'd have like one – maybe one ex-player as like the expert who was – who used to play. Right. But you know, I, I, I yeah, you know, Steve. I think you, I think you stumbled upon something else here. I mean, you know, here we are, on one hand, talking about how much we love the sports reporters, and how much we hate the Fox broadcast. Maybe, maybe we miss the journalists talking about yeah, the game. Exactly, because that's the guy that I. Uh, th- those are the guys, and and women too. Now, obviously, but those are the people that I want to see. I, I don't. I don't need seven guys that played the game, talking about the can, game. Can you guys think of any pre-game or post-game show that has a journalist uh, doing analysis? Nope. They have, you have your, your JP or your you know, Costas or even Oberman um, and, and, or uh, Dan Patrick. And then you Dan have Patrick your... does get to editorialize a bit. Yeah. He, he might be the closest thing you've got. Yeah. Well, I can, no, I can give you one. The Jets post-game show. You have Adam Shine analyzing the game. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. That's true. He is. He is not. In, he's sitting there with two ex players. I can't imagine he played anything competitively growing up. <laughs> I'm not even touching that one. It's too easy. Sorry. Too easy. Sports. Yep. <laughs> competitive. Competitive yelling. <laughs> Because that's what the – oh, Adam Shine. It's just got to calm down. Just got to calm everything down. You know, you're you're here, and we need you down. We need to just take it way down, okay? Well, take it way down. He's very excited. That's that's how he that's how he keeps his job. Yep. I know. And, and, but I think, I think that's huge. I think the idea now is that you have one media journalist type. And then the rest have to be all players and coaches. Otherwise, nobody's ever going to buy a potential thing that these people say. And it's and it's stupid. And it's, mean, and it's also star power. Yeah, exactly. Well, because I really need to hear what Michael Irvin has to say about a ball game. I mean, I really, I, I really need to hear what Michael Irvin has to say. Michael Irvin. I, I think. Uh, listen, I, I uh, there's there's a lot of times that I actually enjoy what Irvin has to say, but but um. What do you see? He was you know, you, up a hooker's. But, you know, 
it's, I mean, come on. Hey, hey, hey. Still, though, but, 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 you know, you could name, I mean, we could rattle off about 30 players right now between ESPN radio, uh, FAN shows, uh, all the TV broadcasts, including ESPN, NFL. We could probably rattle off 30 players who we hear from on a regular basis. And, you know, they just sort of spew cliches. Uh, they, they, they just sort of, they, they, they don't just, they don't do much different from, uh, from each other. And I think, you know, it, it just, it wears on you a little bit. You know what's still a great show, guys, by the way, in my opinion? Inside the NFL on Showtime. I agree with you. Um, and yeah, I'll go, in, I, I would say Inside Sports is too. Inside Sports is too on HBO. But you have, or Real Sports. But you have yeah, three, and th- and that's and that's all journalists, Dan, right? That's all journalists. That's Deport. That's you know, those are all journalists doing those. Stories. It's all journalists, and it's all in-depth uh, stories. It's like, to me, it's like the SI uh, of, uh, of of television. Um, mm-hmm. Three solid guys on inside the NFL, though, ex-player-wise, with Sims, Collinsworth, and Sap. Sap, you like Sap? I do. Yeah. I do. I didn't. I think he has gotten good. No, I, I, I agree with you. They're all three are solid. Yeah, I thought when he first started, and, uh, he stunk, and I think well, he has gotten good. Collinsworth uh, is not is not eminently like warm and fuzzy and likable, but he's he's very good at what he does. I think. Yeah, he's cynical, and that's for sure. But he's good. <laughs> Don't go to him for a hug. But uh, no, he's he's excellent. All right, we we are going to wrap this up. One thing, Dan. One thing before we wrap, I just wanted to ask you this. <laughs> can I can I do it, Cal? We could do it. Let's bring PJ in for a second. Well, we want him in, yeah. yeah let's bring PJ in for a second. Let's bring in the, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ. Hi, PJ. The poo. Wow. <laughs> I don't even, I have no idea. Are you in an alleyway somewhere? Are you hurt? Is this the end of the Mary Tyler Moore show? Meow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so this movie, Dan, did you see this movie? Fifty Fifty is out with uh, Seth Rogen and uh, Michael Gordon, Lev- Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yes, I liked it the first time uh, when it was Adam Sandler and Seth Rogen. Right. <laughs> uh, so there was this article about like you know it's a guy's movie but you'll cry right and it was like ten ten guys movies uh, that you you know you can cry at or whatever. And I noticed that there were only two that are – That's yes. This is the perfect time for the one guitar, PJ. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Deep thoughts. No, that one, of them is, one of them is Rudy. Supposedly it's okay to cry to Rudy. Really? But the other one, the big one, is Brian's song. Okay, so now let me let me ask you three gentlemen first. Has anybody seen Brian's song? I have. The truth. No, I, I mean I wanted to cry just reading the uh, paragraph of what it was about, so I didn't feel like watching it. <laughs> PJ, have you ever I've, seen Brian's song? I've seen the pivotal ten minutes uh, on YouTube. Yes. Okay, so that's one out of four of us has actually seen the movie. Yeah. Why is that the only sports movie uh, on this list? 
my, my, I have two questions. Why is that the only sports movie on this list? Are there other sports movies that could be on this list? By the way, before you go on, I also want to tell you that I saw the remake of Brian's song with Mikhail Pfeiffer. It was a TV movie. You're the guy. Whoa. I swear, I swear to you, it was a Sunday night movie on ABC. Slow night in the Calvary household. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oddly, though, oddly, though, the Mikhail Pfeiffer version, not nearly as emotional. I can't imagine. The that. pumpkin patch was closed that day. He had nowhere to go. <laughs> Apparently, no, no apple picking that day. No. Uh, Dan, can you think of another sports movie that is a weeper that's acceptable? Uh, um, I'll throw it to PJ while you're thinking about it. PJ. Two things. I think there is a difference that, between movies that get you choked up and movies that make you cry. There's a there's a real difference between getting a little misty eyed and going, you know, that really got me right there, and then bawling. That's an excellent point. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can't. And there's a there's a good chance that Brian's song would have had me bawling. Okay. I, I, also, uh, the end of uh, "Bang the Drum Slowly." Bang the Drum where, Slowly is not on this where list. Where De Niro doesn't even know where he is. You know that that whole thing. Yes. Very sad. You know, that that that's a real that that that's somewhere right in the middle of getting choked up and actually weeping. You don't weep at Rudy. <laughs> you, you, you just get it right there in the center of the chest. That's different. Well, I uh, I'm sorry, I embarrassed, but I wept at Rudy. <laughs> you needed a Kleenex. <laughs> yeah, look, I I think first of all, bang the drum slowly is a tremendous call. Because right. if if you've not seen that movie, run, don't walk to your local video store. Um, it it, it is really order it from Quickster. Or, or, yeah, right. it's a uh, magnificent uh, movie. Well, it's not a magnificent movie. It's a really good movie, and De Niro's uh, excellent in it. That's yeah. one. But uh, you know, doesn't it? Okay, how about I get choked up watching The Natural? Is that choked up? Choked up. I do. And is that a guy's it. movie? That, is it but, a guy you know, movie? That, that movie couldn't couldn't make that list, though, Steve. Now, what about uh, what about Rocky IV when Apollo dies? Oh yeah, very emotional. But but you know, it's too. It's, <laughs> I, didn't know, uh, I didn't know where I was when that happened. Uh, <laughs> it's too early on in the movie. It's not, and it's not the major theme. So I don't I don't I don't see I don't see it making a list like that. Rocky III when Mickey dies. Much no. more emotional than when than when Apollo died. Yeah, true. The the Apollo thing is a sucker punch. It's no good. It was badly played. Uh, yeah. They both and, got me. And they could <laughs> the Mickey one got me. I mean, I may. Have, I'm, I'm sensing a theme with Dan here. <laughs> I'm sensing a theme with Rocky. I think Rocky <laughs> got one of them. I think I, I may have only been 11 years old, but Mickey Mickey going that was rough. And I I still think Lang. I still think Clever Lang killed him, by the way. <laughs> Burgess Meredith, by pushing him into the stairs there, he gave him a heart attack. Absolutely. He triggered a heart attack in the old man. That's right. Uh, is is there... <laughs> there you go. Now you're talking. How about The Champ? The Champ. Oh, that's not a guy's oh. movie, though. Is the premise of this... Is the... the Champ? <laughs> 
I could take my wife to the champ. She wouldn't leave. You could. <laughs> you could take your yeah, but that doesn't mean it's not a guy's movie though. I mean, just because she'd watch it. Callie, did you cry during Summer Catch? <laughs> Wait, was that the one with Freddie Prince Jr.? Oh yeah, or have you just wept for Freddie Prince Jr.'s career? I usually cry <laughs> in anything that he's in. Yeah, it was it was more more crying about the performance and the and the eight the eight fifty I'd never get back. <laughs> um, I did not see that in the theater. Let's let's stop with your letters. Don't send your letters and emails. I didn't go see that in the. Theater. Uh, the Champ is a great call. I saw The Champ when I was like nine. I was at Niagara Falls. Are you kidding? I was a little older when I saw it. Rick Schroeder. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, he was, what, six or seven at the time? Oh, Niagara Falls. I was, a, I, <laughs> I was a mess. Uh, is, what What is considered a guy movie then? What, what, what are we missing here? Give me a guy sports movie. The Replacements? Did you Did you weep during The Replacements? Wait, are you, you're looking for a guy sports movie where it's acceptable Slap to cry? Slapshot's a guy sports movie. All right, but there's no crying in Slapshot. Right. So I, I want a guy sports movie where it's okay to cry, besides Brian's song. And Bang the Drum Slowly, by the way. And all the Rocky movies. <laughs> and, all, and, and, any, and anything where Sylvester Stallone is muttering. <laughs> there's got to be another one. I feel like we should make one. If there's not, like I feel like we should we should be uh, thinking of one to pitch to Hollywood. From the makers of Princess Pigskin, come, <laughs> come this year. Are you year thinking a <laughs> romantic comedy oh. tennis movie for men? A one-legged goalie <laughs> who just wants the opportunity to play. Let me let me take, let me take these one at a time. <laughs> a, romantic, a romantic comedy about tennis for men. For men, that's a that's a weeper. That's boy, that's a tall order. We're gonna need sounds some, like a deodorant. We're gonna need, for men. We're gonna need we're gonna need one hell of a screenwriter on that one. I mean, we could do a romantic comedy for football called Fair Catch. We we could. <laughs> oh, very. Good. Can we get can we get The Rock? <laughs> of course, he's got to be in it, but he's and only in, in a supporting role. Yes, exactly. He's, yeah. I think, uh, you know, guys... Maybe that's missed... about a lovable punter. <laughs> <laughs> that's a market that hasn't been tested yet. Lovable, lovable punter. punter. <laughs> Is there such a thing? He gets it, He gets his kicks from... Uh, <laughs> oh. Oh, boy. Well, I think... Uh, I think Hoosiers. Hoosiers. How about Hoosiers? Hoosiers. Hoosiers. Yeah, there's no chance Teresa is going to sit down and watch Hoosiers with me. So that's we, the guy, that's the so time. What if you told her there's a chance you might cry? Would that sweeten the deal? <laughs> you, sir, are a genius. I don't know if... Now, you know, there's some sports movies you don't want your wife to watch with you. See, but in, this, in these examples, I think Rudy is unique because um, you get choked up there because of uh, achievement. And in everything else, you're getting choked up because someone's dying. Right. That's Mickey right. dies, Apollo dies, Rocky should die. But bang no, the but drum slowly. He's about to die. Brian's song. Why isn't he dead yet? <laughs> but in Rudy, though, his buddy dies. That's what sends him off to uh, to Notre Dame to pursue his dream. 
So there is death there. Yeah, but you're not. That's not well, why you're not. You're, not, you're balling that. in the end. I was you're balling on in the, in the end when Ned Beatty says, "My ass has never seen something." What does he say? <laughs> this is the greatest sight these eyes have ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> Which we've always. I mean, I lost. Con- I lost my. I lost control when I when I when I heard that line. Cal, we've always had a problem with that line because Ned Beatty says that his character says that in front of like his son. Like, hey, Dad, how about when I was born? <laughs> is that any good? Sorry, son. It pales in comparison. <laughs> this is the greatest I- sight that I've ever seen. Don't bring around. <laughs> Where's our seats? Uh, all right, boys. I think that's going to do it. Let's uh, let's do the old outro music. What do you think? There it is. Well, do we want to say goodbye to Dan first? Or let's say, you know, Dan's well. such a Thanks for having me. My appearance was sponsored by uh, Fiber One Bars. I think Dan should get that? the final fun load there. Yeah, do you have anything final to plug in? Anything coming up? I'm afraid I've lost you. I said, uh, do you have anything to plug, Dan? Anything coming up? <laughs> yes, uh, Fiber Fiber One Fiber One Bars uh, have sponsored my uh, my 35 minutes on the show. And I also want to plug, uh, I have an appearance up at the Ha Ha Hole uh, this weekend in Piscataway. Why is it? It's always in Piscataway. And it's always the Ha Ha Hole. Thanks, thanks, Dan. We'll talk to you soon. PJ, final one. I bought some music today. I was going to tell you guys all about the music I bought. We're going to have to wait till, uh, till next time. Oh, oh Okay. Can we do we're that? Not, can we do that next week? We're not allowed to talk to him until next week. <laughs> At all. I bought too many albums. I can't list them right now. We don't have time. There's I found no a great time. new band, though. Have you ever heard the uh, the Tours? It was a tremendous album. <laughs> wow. The, the jerk store called, and they're all out of you. Cal, final upload. <laughs> oh, boy. 10-1 at the bottom of the eighth. Yankees are going to win. Yankees are going to win on Thursday. Same old, same old, ho-hum, whatever. Wow. Uh, my f- boy, <laughs> depressed. That, that's a, a movie I might cry at the end of. Uh, and my final unload is simply, uh, hey, Jet Nation, calm down, all right? Calm down. It's going to be okay. Come in off the ledge. It's going to be fine. Really. Let's, let's, let's get to eight games before we decide that the season's over. All right, we will uh, talk to you folks next week. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, check out the podcast of the show at www.blogtalkradio.com. Search for Ready to Unload. Check out the podcast. Download it. Listen. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Good night, everybody.